Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sharpest College Football Podcast presented by Lee Taza. Uh, my name is Robert, and I'm joined, as always, uh, by my co-host, uh, Buck Metrics. How are you doing tonight? Um, I'm disappointed in you. You've always been a gentleman since the first time I met you, and you have not thanked me for trying to talk you out of betting on Coastal Carolina. So this would be an appropriate time to go ahead and give me thanks. Well, that is fair. So what we're talking about is so at this is as we now know, uh, Q's action is now in the middle. Oh no, sorry, this is Sunbelt. Sunbelt, sorry. The Sunbelt is now playing games in, uh, in in on Tuesday night. There is there are there's cultural ball going on as we are recording this, and uh, basically uh, this is a bit of a spoiler. Uh, my model had Coastal and App State as like a pick. And I asked, uh, I asked Buck, I'm like, hey, what does your model have? And you're like, yeah, I also have the, it's like a one-point favorite. And I'm like, well, we're, it's like five, six. And I'm like, I think I'm going to bet on, uh, on on Tim Beck. And he's like, no, don't do it. And currently they're 17 to 10. So I'm in good shape so far. So let's see how, maybe maybe by part two I'll regret that decision. But we'll see. But anyways, so yeah, it's uh, it's good to have football. It's good to have football on a Tuesday night. I will say that. It's nice to have, have football basically every day now. So that's that's a positive. It is. It is. Um, I'll see how focused I can stay. I'm not live YouTubing this on my third screen yet, although once I get through my notes and I don't need the third screen, I might just sneak that on there and just audibly gasp at big plays. Um, yeah. So we'll see. All right. You ready to uh, get to it in terms of who won the week? Yeah, let's get into it. So this one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mine's mine's a little uh, mainstream, which is dis- disappointing for me. Um, but I gotta say, you know, as much crap and as as Georgia has taken, I think you know they did have a blank resume. Uh, check in my notes; you did have them at seven and five or eight and four uh, as of the last Something podcast. Like yeah. yeah, good good showing by them. Um, you know, there's definitely an argument to be made that Kentucky is too similar to Georgia, but just a lesser version. So this is a great matchup for them at home. But Kentucky's a legitimate team. I mean, Kentucky was undefeated. Um, Kentucky was very strong against Florida, and they just didn't belong on the same field. Um, you know, more on on just kind of what we're seeing out of this game coming up later in uh, in part two as well. But you know, tip of the hat to to Kirby and, and proving those of us who had him at eight and four <laughs> once again wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah that that was uh, that was me. Um, so, you know, it's, well, I, again, to be fair, I didn't have them at eight four, but no, I mean, I thought, I said, hey, like, they could lose some games here, they could be in a bit of trouble here, and I mean, that, that criticism was very fair, I mean, they were only, like, two score favorites, they had opened up even higher, like, it started at, like, 20-something, then 17, then 14, so it wasn't like the books were like, no, guys, you're all wrong, like, Georgia was not a 30-point favorite here, um, so, but no, they, they really did impress us here. Tim Beck, or not uh, Tim Beck, Carson Beck, sorry. <laughs> Carson Beck, he, uh, he, he really did overperform in this game. And I think that is an important piece to this. I think he finally had a really good game and he was able to just completely dominate uh, Kentucky in the air. And, and that's an important piece to this. Now, one thing I will say is that I looked back onto this and it, it does seem as though Kentucky has had some problems defending against the pass. A notable team that Georgia will play in two weeks, Florida, has actually been very good, limited Kentucky two weeks ago to only 68 passing yards. That team is, of course, the Florida Gators. So, again, 
this is not. But again, the thing is, when you when you look at when you d dig a little deeper into this, this was basically all air attack, and th that's fine. I'm not. This isn't me saying like, oh, come on, Georgia, you really want to beat some, beat them on the ground. Like, no, no, no. A win's a win, hundred percent. Georgia completely deserves this win. That's fine. But it's possible we may have Kentucky may have been a little bit overrated in our eyes. There are kind of a lot of teams that have kind of fallen through the cracks and not really played anybody particularly difficult. I think Florida is good, but not great. I think Georgia may have gotten a little lucky in this game, but again, they are one of the top teams in the country. The question is, though, we're not we're not saying Georgia's a bad team here. We're saying, like, okay, what is their level here? They did win this week. Congratulations. Good for them. But are they the top team? Are they a top two, four, ten? Where do they fit there? And and I and again, we'll we'll have to see. We need more data for that. But it's possible maybe we were a little too high on Kentucky going into this. So. Yeah, a bad matchup for them. To your point about passing defense, um, I don't know if if you've got your you know metrics that break down by you know run pass defense. Just defensive apex for Tennessee is fifteenth in all of FBS, so that will be one to keep an eye on. We both have Tennessee probably you know pretty highly ranked, and that's that's a favorable matchup for for Tennessee um, in that they can actually have you know they've had very good success top in the pass. So, okay, we'll get to get to yours here. Yeah, so this one is uh, is mine. So, I mean, of course, it's it's weird to have like a, another kind of undefeated team. Even if it goes five and zero, oh as as the the team that won the week. But like, and again, this is a team with North Carolina here. That I mean, they were only nine and a half point favorites, eight and a half a couple days ago earlier in the week. They were eight and a half points, not like less than a 10 point favorite in this game. And they won by 33. Um, but I think most importantly is that in some of the games, notably against App State and, it, and I think when they played Pitt, um, we just did not see phenomenal performances out of um, out of Drake May. We, we saw them get it done on the ground, which is again fine. No one's critiquing how you win, but people were like, Drake May could win the Heisman. He could be one of the best players in college football, yada, 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 whatever. And that's that's fair, but we had not seen this like like with Caleb Williams or, or Michael Penix. You're like, oh, here's the time he threw for like 500 yards and five passing touchdowns. Drake May, you're like, well, he ran for two touchdowns. Like, well, that's cool, but he's not Lamar Jackson here. He's supposed to be throwing the ball here, right? And then you mm -hmm. finally see this now. You see him throwing for 442 yards, three touchdowns. I think the first time all season he's been over two and a half. Um, 202 yards rushing again, just complete domination. Jeez. Over 600 oh. yards here against against the Syracuse team that actually had a pretty good defense that was able to keep. They, they didn't cover the spread against Clemson, but they were competitive against Clemson. And then look, that defense, God, that North Carolina defense, just terrifying here, limiting Syracuse to 129 passing yards and 92 rushing yards in a full game. Just wow. And again, at a certain point when it was 27 nothing into the third, or maybe it was, I, I don't know the exact number, <laughs> I wasn't watching this game, but it was either 27 nothing or something around that line. I feel like they would have started pulling some of the defensive starters. So, yeah, uh, this is a pretty solid win. And again, they are playing Miami this week. We're going to talk about Miami. I'm not spoiling that because that is really great. Oh, you're opening up PowerPoint there. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yep. That's Sorry. Okay. No, but it's trying to it's cheat good. here. Yeah. Okay. But no, it is. Uh, it is kind of terrifying to see how good this team is, and it, it just keeps getting better and better. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, some other stuff later. But yeah, solid win for this team. Watch out for this team. This team is is not bad. Watch out for them. 
Yeah, no, they're going to pop up a lot in part two. And I was opening up PowerPoint to, um, to, to, to skip ahead here. I did not put this later in the noted for future reference, um, but I will mention it now um, because it makes me look smart. And that always has priority on this show. Uh, you might recall in the ACC preview, I said, look for North Carolina's defense to improve a lot with Phil Longo leaving. And I can't take all credit for that because, um, you know, the the real impetus for that notion was last year, you know, a, a good pod I listened to said, man, it's impossible. They can't, you can't, when, when Longo is your offensive coordinator, you can't practice, <laughs> you can't practice well on defense. And we see that with USC too, um, you know, and Bruce Feldman actually had a good point about this too. He said, he talked to like Alex Grinch and um, Chiswick and, and Bateman, who was there before at, at North Carolina. And they said, we can't practice because the other team's so fast. We don't know what's going on. We can't get a good defensive rhythm and cadence on defense. And you're seeing that. I mean, you know, last, last two weeks, especially they've been just really strong. And like I said, they'll, they'll pop up in part two when we get to, to my metrics. Yeah. All right. Oops. Sorry. There we go. Who's next? Yeah. Who lost yes. the week? Um, you know, look, I think Texas is, is a good team. I think they have legitimate top five talent pretty much everywhere. I think they actually have a roster that could win the national championship when you're talking about the guys that wear numbers. Um, you know, I pulled up this quote that Sark had after the Alabama game, you know, and I'm not going to basically say, Hey, when you, and it's, 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 it is a correct point. When people know that you're going to run the ball, you can still run the ball. You basically, you know, that is championship football. Um, I thought it was a little presumptuous to say so, a little early for a victory lap. And so I've got the <laughs> I've got the play-by-play. -play and this basically, Texas Sark just, you know, he left the building at this point. And just USC Sark came back. First and goal at the one. My gosh. No gain. A run for no gain. A run for no gain. A run for a one-yard loss. And then what does he do on fourth and two? He does that horrible horrible wide receiver wide receiver screen to Xavier Worthy, like the smallest guy. Um, just, a, you know, that's, that's, that's really the entirely antithetical to the quote right there, literally at fourth and one. And you're going to, you're going to run a wide receiver screen after you've just, you know, gotten negative one yard on three rushes. Um, I'm probably not objective about this because I, experienced a lot of this in the 2014 and early 2015 seasons. But um, yeah, that, that was no bueno. And I got to say, you know, all props to Dylan um, Gabriel for a great last drive, but you know, again, Texas just giving up so much yardage so easily to including, you know, a long one to Drake Stoops. Are you kidding me? Um, I mean, <laughs> would Drake Stoops even play for Texas outside of fourth quarter of blowouts? You know, there's just a mini implosion here that's that's really getting glossed over. And again, I'm all for giving Oklahoma credit. Big win for them. Clearly the biggest win under Venables. Um, but Texas is getting a little bit of a free ride here for some really, really, you know, I'll just say bad Sark stuff here. Um just, you know, I don't know. Going to the SEC next season, that's not how I'd want this game to go. Although, in fairness, 
they have a very good chance at facing them again in December. I I will say that I, I, as someone who, who loves the Red River rivalry, it's definitely one of my favorite rivalry games. And I've, I usually I make sure I watch it pretty much every year. There has been a lot of times when in the fourth quarter of the Red River rivalry game, people are saying, I think they're going to play again at the end of the year in the last couple of years since they've gotten rid of divisions. And there's been – it's happened one time. It's happened one time. Mm-hmm. So just the thing is Texas is known for – playing really well, either winning or getting close or being very competitive in the Red River game, and then imploding somewhere down the line, and then they lose a game, and then they drop another game, and then they're not playing in the conference championship game. So I, I, I completely agree with you. Like, watching the game, I thought that too. I'm like, oh, man, like, this could be the Red River rivalry game. This could be the, the championship, the Big 12 championship game. And then I remembered, wait a minute, I, I always, I've said this like three times in the last <laughs> ten years, and it's only happened one time. So there are times for this. Another thing I will point out, too, is that although some of the advanced stats do seem to lean that te- this game was very, very close and Texas had a chance to win it, there was some weird stuff that happened. In the early part of this game, this game looked like it was going to be over at halftime. This game literally looked like it was going to be like Oklahoma like up like 30 to 10 at half. That's what this looked at, like at, at, in, in the first quarter. And then because the problem was like literally Texas could not move the ball outside of fourth down, which is mm-hmm. concerning. Um, yeah, they were. They basically had a lot of their plays, especially a lot of their big plays, came on stuff on fourth down, which is not good. I mean, okay, it's fine. I'm not knocking you for doing that and keeping the aggression. That's fine, but like, those are not the most reliable things. Like, you don't want to have to rely on fourth down to to get like get three. Like, you don't want to be fourth and three and you have to get three yards or fourth and two or like. Yeah. So that's that is a little concerning for me as well. I think this Oklahoma team is very good. I, I I kind of think at this exact moment this Texas team is good. But again, we have said that many, many times in the past. A lot of people were super hype on Texas in this game. Uh, I remember Pat McAfee was saying something along the lines of like, oh, man, this Texas team is re- – I was watching a little bit before the game. And he's like, oh, this Texas team is, is just so good and so talented. And then I was just immediately went onto my phone and, and put a bigger bet on Oklahoma. Um, and And – Sure enough, that was correct. But no, this is the thing. It's I, I I don't know exactly what to make this Texas team. I think this Oklahoma team is legit, though. I think they're if, if Oklahoma goes undefeated, wins the Big 12, they are going to be in the college football playoff. I grabbed before this game. Not only did I bet heavily on Oklahoma, I bet uh, I basically unloaded on Oklahoma national champions, Oklahoma Big 12 champions, Dylan Gabriel Heisman. All those are now looking a lot better than they did when I placed them. Which, of course, they would be, to be fair. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know where the path for Texas goes. Uh, again, we'll talk about this later in the Buck the Bookie segment. As you know, For with you, I have Texas under 9.5. Uh, or with DraftKings, I can't remember which one it is. But I have I have I I do have some sizable Texas unders. I'm not – they're not dead yet. Texas has a knack. They have some teams that I wouldn't particularly love to see them have to play. Uh, if, if I was a Texas fan, you've got Texas Tech who does weird things sometimes. Uh, you've got BYU at some point as well. Uh, this is not Texas is not out of the woods yet here, folks. So uh, so uh, keep that in mind. Yeah, hey, one thing that you mentioned. Um, this is crazy. So I've I, I only did this in prior years, just after the season. But I've started to do post game win expectancy during the season, just to kind of you know. First, I wanted to gauge luck and all that. Um, but part of that is a post game win expectancy, which basically says 
based on how these two teams played, what's the win probability for each? Literally 50-50. Um, the postgame projected expected scores 31-31. Um, really, really close. Amazing. 31.1 to 31.2 um, in favor of Oklahoma. So, and that's what's interesting. That's what kind of sucks too. If you're on the wrong end of a bet is, um, you know, it, it it's as close as it can be, but it, it wasn't a one point game. So great if you had it um, and kind of sucks if, you know, you're on the wrong side of that one, but good job for you. Proud of you. You know, I don't have the, the stones or spine to, to do those kind of crazy high leverage at the, at those inopportune times. I like to go, you know, I find comfort in my spreadsheets. So that's fair. So, yeah, so these are, these are my picks for who lost the week. So, um, shout out to this, like continuing implosion for UCF here. Um, and, and I don't know what the heck Kansas was somehow Kansas in this 51 to 22 blowouts. I remember I, I didn't touch this game because I was like, you know, Jason Bean didn't have a particularly good game against Texas. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave this alone. And then I, 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 I was looking at the scores later on my phone, and I saw this game. And Texas was like, Kansas was up like forty-five to something. I don't remember what the score was. I think it was like this was later in the game. And I'm like, oh man, Jason Bean must have had this crazy. He must be throwing for like three hundred yards, <laughs> five touchdowns. He has ninety-one passing yards. I'm like, what the heck is happening? They have four hundred rushing yards. They rush for seven point eight yards per attempt against UCF, a Big Twelve team. What has happened? I mean, okay, I guess it's the Big 12 is not the best defense, but like, really, seven point eight yards per rush—that's nuts. How how did you let this happen? This was a team that had gotten hype, and people were like, "Oh man, they can make some big waves coming into the Big 12 this year." They gave up seven point eight yards per attempt to Kansas. I mean, Kansas is pretty good, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but like that much against Kansas—that's that's pretty crazy. Second loser this week, uh, Iowa. Wow, uh, this is. So I, I I highlighted this pass here, third and two on the Purdue 22. Deacon Hill pass complete to Eric Alley for 22 yards for a touchdown. The reason is because uh, Deacon Hill only ended the game with 110 yards. So this pass represented roughly one in every five of his passing yards, just this one play. Um, additionally, this was unfortunate for me because I had bet uh, Deacon Hill under 0.5 passing touchdowns for at plus 195. I feel cheated. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's fine. But, I mean, it, th- I was on, clearly on the right side of that bet. Um, and in, even betting on Purdue, like if you had told me, okay, uh, Iowa's quarterback's going to go six for 21 with 110 yards passing. I'm like, we've got, Purdue's got this. There's no way. But they've somehow won this game. I don't know how. Um, but again, I, I think, I believe Caden McNamara is out for the season, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's not good. Um, I think uh, this season is going, is seemingly going very bad here for Iowa. And again, we've talked about this. Iowa's getting some easy wins so far in, the, in their schedule. Next week, they play Wisconsin. Have fun. Good luck with that. You you try throwing for 110 yards against Wisconsin. See what happens. Good luck. Um, and then for my third one, um, and possibly even worse stat line, um, Thomas Castellanos here for Boston College. He threw four for nine for 51 yards in interception. But somehow they won that game. They actually won that game. They had uh, Army, basically Army had 105 yards passing, so Army outpassed 
Boston College, which is not supposed to, they're not supposed to outpass <laughs> anybody. That's the number one rule of college football. But BC had 321 yards rushing to Army's 161 yards rushing. So I everything is wrong with this. I don't know. I'm, I'm not even sure who lost this. I think they just both kind of lost. I don't – I'm not even saying like Army. I think they just both lost. I don't know what's happening. I This isn't good for either of these teams. I, like – I don't understand how you need to run for 321 yards against Army. Like, the whole point of Army and Navy and Air Force is the fact that they're, like, they can only recruit certain athletes. They only they, they generally recruit athletes who are smaller but stronger and maybe not the most fast ones. So they're not supposed to have cornerbacks. You threw for 51 yards against a team that doesn't really have cornerbacks? What? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> All right, but they won. So, I mean... Boston College, I, I still don't think they're going to save their head coach's job, but I, I don't know. This is just such a weird result that I, someone lost here. I, I think it's probably both, but I, I, I'll i go with just Boston College as well. But, yeah, that was just a very weird – when you look through that, the crosstabs there, you're just like, wow, that's a, that's a very, very weird result there. Yeah, it is. Although, yeah, Castellanos – I, I can say it doesn't surprise me. He's not an accurate guy, but he is a crazy good athlete. I, um, he almost turned around that Northern Illinois game um, when he came in for rest in peace, Emmett Moorhead. I don't know if you remember him that we talked about coming into the season, the much heralded and, and played for two series, Emmett Moorhead. Um, so yeah, Castellanos actually is probably about the only thing that might save Half-Life's job. Um little pushback on the Iowa thing, you know, Deacon Hill, I just did the numbers. Well, while you were talking about talking about him, 21 apex in that game. Uh, you know, I think that speaks to the amazing consistency that Brian Ferentz has drilled into this offense and, uh, you know, be negative if you want, but Hey, it's a known quantity. Yeah. You know, you know what you're getting with Iowa. That's, that's consistency. <laughs> you are getting an 80 points below average apex. Every time a quarterback takes the field, yep. six for 21, yep. like why are you like, there's nothing like are we really back like I think Petrus had better stats than this this is like and you're playing Purdue this is not like you're playing like Michigan or something yeah. like I no yeah yeah like, I mean when you get to the better defenses just watch out um man when they play Nebraska I think Nebraska's pass defense is, is pretty solid um that could really get gruesome <laughs> yeah, watch out. That game is always so weird, though. Something insanely weird is going to happen in that game. That's that's appointment viewing there for the the Friday of uh, of, of Thanksgiving. There, that's Thanksgiving. Gonna be, yeah, that our our, our Thanksgiving. Yes. By the way, happy yes. Thanksgiving, belated to yes. to you all up yes, in the Yukon territories. Canada had uh, our Thanksgiving this last weekend, so they used to they used to actually be the same weekend Canadian American Thanksgiving, but then Americans moved it to like I think six weeks later or something. So. Is it because like you can keep couldn't keep up with our dollar and just something like that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I have victory laps here, and this is uh, firmly tongue in cheek because you know everybody always talks about their bad beats, and oh my god, I you know I guess they they'd all be seventy five percent winners if they didn't have the bad beats. So my victory laps are all in tongue in cheek here, and I'm going to basically you know recount three three bets I made that were incredibly lucky. Um, first I had Fresno, Wyoming under 46. So the total was 43. Um, Wyoming missed a field goal. I think their kicker is actually pretty good. They missed a field goal with, um, 
just about a minute and a half left. That would have made it a two-score game. Wyoming, by the way, this is like a 40-yarder or so. It wasn't like super long. And Wyoming is the highest altitude um, uh, stadium in all of FBS. So it's not like it was too long for the guy. He just gacked it. And so after that, we get um, we get some some really good yardage from Fresno State, who's threatening to score, and then they throw an interception with 46 seconds left. Uh, crisis averted there. I was at it. That was two very very good opportunities for this one to go over, and it just didn't. This one is just this is one of those sneaky ones that you only really really appreciate if you are on this. So I had Mister Michigan plus 20. Um, and I could see this coming a mile away. Well before this, uh, Mississippi State kicked a field goal to go up 13, and that really made me nervous. At that point, it's like, wow, a touchdown just pushes here. Um, so they're running out the clock. They have the ball at the Worcester, Michigan, 39. They run for 25, which just absolutely scared me to death because there's, you know, I think there's like a minute or so, a minute and a half left or so. So then they, you know, they go to the 14-yard line. They run for four. They run for four, and they have to run one more play from the six-yard line. And I'm just, I'm, I'm certain they're going to run it in because this, you know, at this point, Michigan State or Western has just given up. And they run it for three yards, and I, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where you don't really notice if, unless you are actually watching the game, that this is three yards away and one more play away from just being easily a push, easily a push, you know. This is why I don't get upset about Notre Dame covering against Duke because there's plenty of, of these that, that fall in my favor. And this last one was nuts. I This was just a serial near-death experience. You know, Did you see this? How much of this game did you see? So I, um, I saw basically a little bit at the start and then a little bit at the end. I'll let you say your story on this because I have my own crazy story on this as well. So you go, you go ahead first. Okay, so I have under 47. You can see um, there's the totals at 41. Alabama fumbles. Um, <laughs> I have to consult my notes here because there's there's so much going on here. So Bama fumbles. It's at their own 29 with 11 minutes left. And we're, we're only six points under at this point. Um, you know, thankfully Jimbo goes full Jimbo. Three plays, he doesn't get a first down. They go for a field goal. It says missed field goal on the play-by-play. It's actually blocked. And not only is it blocked, it wasn't even close. And not even was it close, Alabama gets the ball easily and runs in clearly for a touchdown. And they actually put, you know, the six points on the on the little score buck at the bottom. And I'm thinking, okay, we're done here. Uh, and that touchdown gets called back for a, a blindside block that's like 15 yards <laughs> behind the ball carrier. Uh, and they go all the way back to about midfield. So um, Bama actually has... You know, I think they had a couple penalties in here where they're actually they, they punted after which, um, but they 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 pinned Texas A&M down deep in their own territory. Um, Texas A&M as is called for a safety. And if you saw it, it looked like it was a fumble that was actually recovered by the defense. Um, and that's actually how um, uh, Brad Nessler called it. He called it a touchdown for Alabama, and then he got confused because I don't know if it's poor sight lines. or He was really confused the whole fourth quarter of this game. Um, so it was actually a incomplete forward pass, but it was he was uh, there was a hold on the play in the end zone, so it was called for a safety. <sighs> so then they do the free kick. Um, Alabama punts. <laughs> Oops. 
A&M, um, A&M runs this crazy play where, where Alabama's like, there's a friendly fire where one of the DBs takes out another DB, um, a little wide receiver screen. A&M runs in for a touchdown. Again, they put the touchdown again on the score bug. So I've lost again. Um, and only on the third replay can you see that the the receiver actually right before he he kind of leaves to to die for the pylon he his toe just scrapes just barely touches the white so it's spotted at the two um, and again this is only in the third replay so then of course then you have <laughs> you have a holding penalty um, and then they get to fourth and goal and Jimbo kicks the field goal as you can see here at the end. Um, and that makes it one point below the under. And I think we're okay. Alabama just needs one, one first down to run out the clock. And boy, um, isn't that familiar when we get to other games later. Um, so they get a first down. And at this point, AM has just given up because they know, okay, they're going to run out the clock. Did yes. you see this? This, this moment right here, <laughs> just the craziest. I have, and I, I you will understand why I was. I was livid when I saw this. You know, when I tell my side of the story, but yeah, you go ahead and tell this. Yeah, so AM's just like kind of milling around, waiting for the clock to expire. And Jalen, because Jalen Miller would just to take three knees and the game is over. Well, he sees that they're milling around, and so he calls for the ball. He throws to a completely, <laughs> a completely uncovered receiver. And again, my life is flashing before my eyes on this bet. But being Jalen Miller and the ball is since the guy's not 40 yards downfield, he's right in front of him. He skips it like about halfway to him. Yeah. And then Nick Saban goes nuts and then they take knees and the game is over. And this is where Danielson and uh, Nessler were completely confused. They didn't know what was going on. So um, I was extremely lucky here on this one. And it sounds like you might have been extremely unlucky on this one. No, I I got lucky. So what happened was I did like actually I like Texas A&M outright in this game. But the thing was, originally the line was three and a half. I didn't bet it. I thought I'd get a little bit better on it, so I didn't bet it. But then it came down to te Alabama, like uh, Texas A&M plus two and a half. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to mm. bet plus two and a half. So then I had a new idea. I said, okay, I don't want to bet Texas A&M plus two and a half because if Bama gets a last second field goal, because usually this this game has ended weird in the last couple of years. So I'm like, I don't want to lose to yeah. a last second field goal. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? <clears throat> I'm going to create some teaser legs because it's plus two and a half. So we get out to eight and a half. Mm. That sounds perfect, right? So I tease this with oh, Purdue boy. at plus two and a half. And, I'll, and then Purdue was getting crushed. I'm like, oh, no. But then they come back and then they lose 20 to 14 or some weird thing. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's within eight. So I'm like, cool. That's fine. And then I also tease them with – I can't remember who else. It was either Texas State or – Texas A&M or one of the other ones. Another one that was like a pretty easy cash. So it was like, great. So it all came down to this game. And then also when a bit before the, the Bama fumble there with the, with the Texas A&M missed field goal, I bet this live. I got like Texas A&M, wait for the spread, I, live spread I got, plus six and a half at plus 128. Oh my God. And then, I, and then so what happens is the fumble happens. And I'm like, oh, this is great. They can go up, tie the game. We're going to be in great shape here. Well, then that that gets wrecked. Then there's the punt and then the safety. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, I'm dead. I've lost it all. And then and then again with the safety, they're up by nine. And I'm like, that destroys everything. Now I'm in, I'm in huge trouble here. And then and then basically then this happens. The Texas A&M is deep. I'm like, they got a touchdown. I was sure. I'm like, yeah, that's good. We're going to cash everything. Then they get the field goal. I'm like, okay, that's that's fine. That's okay. Like, 
the six and a half, like, oh man, the six and a half, because like, six and a half was at plus money too. I got like a plus 128 or something. My book did something weird. So I'm like, that's fine. We're going to catch the plus six and a half, the two teasers. This is going to be great. And then all of a sudden, I see Jalen Miller skip a ball, and I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? What, what is happening? Take a knee, take a knee. I like just I, I just I, like I was I was watching this with my dad and I'm like oh they should just end the game here it's like I don't see why I'm like they I have plus six and a half tell them to end the game and then like I'm just like I, like I'm like I really wish they end the game and then I don't know why I didn't know why cause I think I was watching without sound off but I was like why would he like first of all why would he try to throw and like would they try to skip the pass they, I thought they were trying to stop the clock and they were just going to try to weirdly run up the score I'm like why would you do that but then they did the weird e thing and then the last like the fourth down walk around and throw deep to the it was weird and I, I figured out what they were what they were planning on doing and I was like okay I guess this is okay and I won anyways but I was just like wow what a that was some, some swings there so yeah yeah, yeah. It it's literally drama that 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 only like if you're on basically had almost anything because it was you know kind of close on both sides I mean the just the regular mm-hmm. spread but alt spreads or teases yeah um yeah very underrated crazy crazy ending um, so you had a victory lap too here. Yeah, I, uh, I, I shout out to me for being present here in, in the last <laughs> podcast. I said Clemson won, but 21 is too many points. It was 21 was never in quite, there was no chance of them ever winning this game by 20, or even close to 21. Um, I mean, shout out to Clemson's defense for being really good, but not shout out to Clemson's offense for putting up 21 points against Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Shipley had like 90 some odd rushing yards good for him that was it <laughs> that was not much else to speak of from the clemson side um it, it's so weird right because we've talked about like oh well florida and we'll talk about florida state here in a second but it's like we, we we've said like is this clemson team good they lost to duke uh then they lost to florida state well then they've been coming back they, they've won I th- they've won some other games since then they still have to play notre dame they're gonna have to play i think I'm not sure. They have to play one of North Carolina or Miami. I can't remember which one, but um, they've got some tough games ahead. I still don't know what to make of this team. And then when they do this against Wake Forest, I really don't know what to make of this team. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got an interesting, interesting stat on them coming up later. Um, you know, this is a home game, too. Um, and they yeah. do play North Carolina. I heard an interesting um, factoid today that I have in fact checked. So if it's wrong, don't blame me, but I'll pass it along and take it as my own. Uh, you have Louisville, Florida State, North Carolina tied for um, – and Duke, although they're only 1-0. Um, but those three are tied for first place in the ACC, all undefeated with more than one win. And none of them play each other. So we could have some crazy three-way tie of undefeated teams. Um, that could be interesting. You could have basically your ACC champion determined by Florida State playing Florida. Something to think about. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, oh, there you go. Here's your Florida State. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, this this is now we're going to talk about Florida State. So I also said on the podcast last week, don't bet this game. Watch and see what happens to see, what happens to see if, if Florida State returns to form. Because we've been really high on them, but then the model's really low on them, and that was not particularly great against Clemson, a team we're not sure what to make of. So – and at the, the spread was 23 and a half. Again, didn't touch it. Again, after the first quarter, like I was dumb to not bet this. Like 22 nothing at the end of the first. Oh, we should have bet the spread. But then Virginia Tech, I mean, to be fair, after if you're up 22 nothing in the first quarter, maybe you sleep off a bit. You say, yeah, whatever. We can let them back in a little bit. It's fine. 
And again, they won this game pretty calmly. That's fine. But a little bit of a red flag here. Uh, Trey Benson, um, you had two touchdowns, 11 attempts for 200 yards. That's that looks great. Good job. That That's really good. You're averaging like, uh, what, something almost 20 yards, a bit, bit under 20 yards in attempt. That's, that's awesome. Um, however, uh, you see these two plays here, first and 10, uh, Florida State 38, Trey Benson runs for 62 yards for a touchdown. And then first to 10 of the FSU 15, Trey Benson runs 85 yards for a touchdown. Those two combined uh, are 147 yards. So that's 147 yards out of big, massive plays. That's 73.5% of his yardage was from those two plays. That's a little concerning. Um, that That is... That, that's basically saying, okay, he had an amazing game, but it was from basically just those two plays, which, again, accounted for 14 points, which was basically two-thirds of their margin of victory as well. Um, FSU only had 282 rushing yards, so basically if you well, round that to 150 yards, that's basically 50 and 80. So they had basically 130 yards with the exception of those two massive runs. Now, again, obviously... A massive yard, a massive rush like that, a massive 65, 62 or 85 yard rush, still counts the same as a 20 play, uh, rounded out, 20 play, eight minute drive. That's the same thing. But that's a little concerning because, again, it's a lot luckier to get a massive run than it is if you consistently have a long drive where you get a bunch of first downs. It shows, it shows skill and the fact that you're a better team. With a big chunk game like that, it shows you got a little bit lucky potentially. Right. So and, and the other huge stat to highlight here is that they allowed 209 Florida State, of course, allowed 209 rushing yards. They allowed six point six yards per attempt. So that means and again, this is what we saw against Clemson, too, because Will Shipley and, and some of the Clemson other running backs had a really big day that game. This is showing that, hey, guess what? Florida is a little weak here, especially to a running attack. North Carolina, pretty good at running the football. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about Miami here. They're also kind of good at it too. But I, I don't know what's about to happen to that team. So, I like this is the problem where like look, looking at this, I have floor, I have some Florida State futures. I'm not like I didn't remortgage. I didn't. I don't have a house, so I can't mortgage it anyways. But I did not mortgage that theoretical house on on Florida State winning the national championship game. But I'm a little concerned here. I would say that this there there is some concern here that maybe this Florida State team and again the big thing we the thing that vaulted them into national competition was that week one win against LSU. LSU, God, like they almost lost to Missouri there this week, um, and you're telling me that now that's the reason why we're we're so high on this Florida State team. Okay, they did that and then they barely scraped by a Clemson, a Clemson team that got blown up by Duke, and that put up 17 points against Wake Forest. Those are concerning numbers, and I think I don't know what to make of this Florida State team yet. I still I, I thought this week would provide some clarity. They had some good moments, but they got a little lucky on some of this stuff that provided a lot of the yardage. I'm still concerned, and I don't I I, I think again we'll see what what they do this week. But gun to my head, I I think it's I think it's about time to start fading them soon. Yeah, um, the last cut from my noted for other. Um, segment was an, a stat that, that seems interesting here. So they've had five games against FBS opponents. Only two uh, of those five, this being one um, where they gave up six point yards, 60 yards per, per rush attempt and against Southern Miss who we, you know, is just a, a perennial in the bum list uh, segment. 
Um, those are the only two games where they've had defensive efforts above FBS average. The other three have actually been below average. And while you were talking there, I was looking up. I have them 64th in, in FBS in defensive Apex and 67th in defensive GGAB. So they are just average against all aspects. Um, so, yeah, good point. I haven't looked at their schedule yet, but when they, you know, I guess the good news for them is that they missed North Carolina, which would be the real fear there. Um, they might, you know, they, let me see. They played Duke in a couple weeks, but Duke's not. Yeah, the, I guess the only really danger. I'm just going to read these off. Syracuse, Duke, probably without Riley Leonard. Wake Forest, Pitt, nothing really there that scares you. They really got lucky here. Um, Miami, which I think, you know, notwithstanding what we're going to talk about soon, still is talented. North Alabama and then Florida. Um, your mileage may vary on this schedule, but I think they kind of um, are skating in terms of the offenses, which means if they make the, the AC championship game, that might be the real time to load up against them, depending on who they place or who they face. Mm-hmm. Well, Florida and State right. does have to play Miami and North Carolina, but they have them both at home. Yeah. So that's that's going to be no. The they don't play North Carolina, see. do they? Oh no, they don't. They, they no, they miss Miami. Carolina. Yeah, we'll talk a bit yep. about North Carolina later. Yeah. But I think, like again, I hate doing this because I know, I know something bad's going to happen. It's like, it's like Charlie Brown in the football. It's like Mac Brown in the football here. You know it. You know something bad's gonna happen. You know you see it coming a mile away, but I'm like, but they look really good. But they have a good running attack that could maybe put Florida State into. In, and Drake May looks good, and they got they bullied the NCAA into letting them have that wide receiver play again. Uh, no idea how they did that exactly, but they somehow did that. I'm not sure if they blackmailed someone or what happened there. I mean, again, the NCAA <laughs> should have let the kid play, but like there is a thousand percent like North Carolina threatened to launch a coup against them if they didn't let the kid. Like there, there's yeah. like there is no way that the NCAA. Like I love that statement by the way. The NCAA was like, oh, new information was available. North Carolina's like, we didn't give them any new information. <laughs> like yeah. that, like North Carolina was like, we will lead the breakaway from from the NCAA if you don't let this kid play. And they're like, oh, there's new information now. Like. no doubt in my mind that that's what happened yeah we found the file (laughs) (laughs) all right what we missed mine is pretty simple um i was super 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 um high on brendan armstrong and robert and i coming into the season and he's no longer starting he was benched um a guy named mj morris who played part-time for them last season actually started last week um against marshall so complete complete whiff on my part um Seems like all these misses I have are basically quarterback related for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Okay. Here we go. Um, yeah, you know, I know, I don't know them personally. I know one of them pretty well from Twitter, but you know, people that watch us are sophisticated. I'm not going to recount this, the stupidity of this moment. I just have some observations um, and comments that I haven't heard so far. Uh, first, a couple of things I've heard on kind of dopey college podcasts. Uh, one guy was saying, I can't believe they don't practice this. Well, guess what? This is practiced all the time. Every team practices end of game. It's not that they don't practice, they gag. Uh, this was a gem. With, with such a big staff, how can they not have an assistant in charge of this? This is basic football, guys. This is not even like... I, I think I would rather have a 
I think there's a bigger need. I'll, I'll phrase it that this way. There's a bigger need for an assistant to tell Scott Frost, don't do an onside kick against Northwestern after you scored a touchdown to take a 13-point lead. Um, this is literally just football. This is, I mean, okay. Uh, the third thing is, the, the, the beauty that I haven't seen anybody comment upon, uh, if you're watching, look at this. Just perfect clock management, he said, ironically. They ran it down to one second left, like you always do in late-game situations. Use all the clock. It's amazing how they so perfectly executed that, but they made this unbelievably stupid thing. He made this unbelievably stupid decision. Another thing that's completely overlooked is, how did this receiver get behind two defensive backs in this situation? <laughs> how does that happen there? And it's not even close. It's unbelievable. Well, th um, this is uh, the other the yes. thing is here is like there are seconds left in the game. What are you afraid? Like they they're gonna get a yeah. field goal. Like they they can't even they can stop the clock for a couple of seconds. If it's a huge chunk yardage play, they're probably not gonna have enough time to actually stop the clock. They're probably gonna have to, like yeah. put two guys in the end zone start to play there. Like what are you doing? exactly? Like, <laughs> like I mean, credit credit to this guy right here for you know. Um, having depth on the receiver, you know, unfortunately he's on the other side of the field, but my gosh, how, how this goes uncommented upon is just beyond me. It just shows just how just monumentally stupid the, the mistake was. And I don't have a screen grab of this. I, I, I should have, but you know, um, the bottle thrown at this receiver, right. As he crosses the goal line is such a Miami thing. It's such a, just a, a, a trendy, bad sport, you know, fair weather, Miami guy, just, 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 absolutely doing it. I don't know if you've seen that video. I've seen it like 50 times. And right as he's crossing the goal line, he gets, he gets narrowly, he narrowly misses a, a bottle thrown from the stands. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lastly, am I, do I bear any responsibility for this? Because I, a, a part of me thinks that Mario might have like, just, I doubt he watches us, but he might've spiritually felt that Narduzzi had two Narduzzi awards in three weeks. And it just was getting to him. And he, and he actually, and then in the other week, he saw that I said, hey, I overlooked Mario just like, you know, not screwing up anymore. And I think maybe just spiritually got to him and he said, hey, watch this. I'll make up for lost time here. Yeah, and, and whole idea or no, I, like we both were like, and, and we not only did we both say maybe we were wrong about Miami, we all, it was a combined model play. We both said, the yeah. Boulder all said, hey, guess what? Miami should destroy this horrible Georgia Tech team that got blown out by not only did they get blown out by Ole Miss, but they got blown out by, I think, someone else too. They, they didn't. Oh, they lost a Bowling Green. They lost a Bowling Green. And you're telling me that, <laughs> yes. that they didn't turn around and beat a team that their models think was amazing? And, like, you could tell, I think, early in this game, I realized something was wrong. Like, they just did. And, again, it's at home. I don't know why they, but they, I don't know yeah. how they keep losing games at home. Um, <clears throat> Because they play in the same home as the Dolphins. I don't understand it, but it's just like I think. I think they play some. Yeah, Hard Rock is the home of the Dolphins. But no, it's just like yeah. I don't understand. And, and again, this is—it's not the same as the Middle Tennessee game from last year because Middle Tennessee, as twenty-six point dogs, <laughs> rushed them. It wasn't even close. So that was in some ways yeah. worse. Yeah. But also, this was also its own unique brand of worse, too, because it was just like, just nothing was working. But, like, look, this team's like, okay, last year they got crushed by a team they were supposed to be 
and a half point favorites against. Now they're only nearly just barely beating them. So it's improvement. I mean, this is the thing, and you talk about this all year round. When you have a team that's like a top whatever team, Miami in this case was 17th, but there's always examples of like a top whatever team having a bad game. It's like, ah, oh, you know what, just not their day. They got caught. They they looking ahead to another game or something happens, and then but they were pulling it out. They were they were doing it, and then and then they just didn't take a knee for some unknown reason. And I, this isn't the first time he's been uh, Mario Cristobal has been burned by not taking a knee because he did the same thing years ago when Oregon was upsetting Stanford. He didn't take a knee. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I remember at that time, too, as an Oregon fan, I remember that game. And I, I said, like, oh, you know, I think – I remember looking at that and I was like, I think they could have taken a knee, but, like, that one was a little bit different where it was like – It wouldn't have completely down, run out of the clock. No. Yeah. It would have been, ni- been nice to have had that first down. So that one wasn't as bad, but this one was inexcusable. Like, literally – at that time there, if he just takes a knee, the game is over. That's it. It's done. There is nothing left. The game ends. But instead, he ran it forward. And the thing is, the best part is, too, and, and this is kind of cause uh, karma in some cases, because basically the guy looked like he was down. Straight up looked like he was down. And yeah, it was, they yeah. were like, yeah, no, he wasn't actually down. And it's like he was, he was like straight up down, though. He was down. But the, the, the ref was like, nope, he's not. And it's like, <laughs> I mean – he was down, but fine, whatever. This is payback for being really stupid. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, t- t- you mentioned one thing that I think is very. Un- I'm 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 actually glad this happened because I get really frustrated when a you know when I bet on a big favorite and they they just crap the bed and they win by like a field goal. It makes me mad. It's just like you deserve to lose. If you're going to burn my money that way, lose. I like when this happens. It's like great. You guys felt the sting as much as I did. Um, the other thing is Georgia Tech now has a two-game winning streak against Miami. Um, who saw that <laughs> when they fired Jeff Collins? I I didn't. Um, wonder what kind of what kind of odds you could have got to 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 play that as a future. Yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm is, sensing a theme here. <laughs> yeah, this is just wow. No, again, I I didn't uh, didn't bet on this, but. And I, I kind of wanted to because this was – someone pointed this out on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but someone said like, oh, like Northwestern is beating uh, – I don't even – some school, some D2 school like Howard or something. They were beating them 23 to, 23 to 20, which is insane by the way. But like, okay, I'm not going to I'm not gonna hit Northwestern here because, again, they do have an interim coach. So fine, whatever. We'll, we'll make we'll, – we'll deal with them next year. But that's fine. We'll leave them for now. But – uh, but then someone says, like, oh, by the transitive property, Michigan should win by, like, 40 points or something. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm like, I should probably bet that. I forgot to bet that. Because <laughs> Michigan was only an 18-point favorite. And they absolutely destroyed this team. This wasn't even close. Um, again, look look at the, the stat line here. Uh, Ethan uh, Kalimanakis. I, I don't – yeah, I don't okay, – what's the problem? Three and a half yards per rush is not that bad, okay? <laughs> no, that's three and a half yards of pass. Yeah. Yeah, I that, know. Okay, yeah. got me. We are of 5.3. First of all, team did something. I'm not sure what team means. I think just some guy, random guy threw a pass. And they didn't even bother to record who that was. It doesn't matter, I guess. 5 for 15. That's almost as bad as the – actually worse than Iowa's quarterback, which is the whole point of this is that you're not supposed to be – you're supposed to be better than Iowa, not worse than Iowa at quarterback. And again, even then, 
39 for 139 rushes, 117 yards. You can't even run the ball. And again, okay, yes, it's Michigan. It's one of the better teams in the country. But you're supposed to be competitive here. That's the whole point of being in the Big Ten. You're supposed to be competitive here. You can't even achieve competitiveness with Michigan. You don't even come close to covering the spread. Like, it's just... You scored the first quarter. I, I, you've got some high standards here, buddy. Yeah, I know. Eh? Just I, not... I, I see three points there in the first quarter. I mean, they were covering the they were covering the full game spread at halftime. They were only down twenty four yeah, to ten at halftime. I think yep. as long as we don't lose net four points for the rest of the game, we're in good shape. Yeah, I I, I, I don't know. You 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 sound like one of those those just fire everybody bitter fans. Um. <laughs> I mean, again, Minnesota. Like, there is serious discussion here about like what Minnesota should do. I I think I, I think there is a non zero chance that Fleck could. I mean, not this year, but like. Next year he could be on the hot seat, right? And then this is the thing, right? Because the big, I, 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 they're not doing divisions next year for the Big Ten, right? It's just everybody, correct? But like now, yeah. you, you now have to play four teams who are you, you basically now to the Big Ten have added four teams that are all better than you, decidedly by many magnitudes of scores. So good luck with that. Um, you now have to fix whatever the heck this problem is. I don't know what the problem is. I think the problem starts with the quarterback, but then also seems to be the offensive line and the running game. And also the defense, so I, I don't even know where to start. So good luck with that. Um, and yeah, uh, also uh, somehow beat USC. Good luck. Um, so yeah, I uh, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> yeah, not only did they add four new teams that are all better than them, but they're just pushed more of their games <coughs> to Peacock. So congratulations. At least. At least nobody's going to see you crap the bed like this. It's kind of the old joke about, um, boy, the, the the food is so bad here. So, yeah, and the portions are so small, too. Um, great. You stink, but at least nobody will see. Uh, I just did a quick check here. So this game, uh, the Greek rifle had an apex of negative 92. And I just dug a little deeper. It didn't quite reach that immortal uh, Grayson James opener um, where he had less than one yard per attempt. That was a negative one fifty five. That that's that's Hall of Fame stuff right there. Um, yes. And I know I'd say we were going to stop crapping on him, but just that was just for reference. Speaking of reference, <laughs> catching strays mid <laughs> mid through the season. He's like, I'm, I'm sitting on the yeah. bench. I'm catching strays. Um. Yeah. Timely. Even though some for some reason I wanted to, I talked to you out of this unsuccessfully. Um. Last week I said this is not your father's App State team. You know they barely beat ULM. Um, confirmed by how South Alabama beat ULM like an actual grown-up good Sunbelt team. Um, that's how it's done if you're a regular good Sunbelt team. Arkansas continues to just be worse and worse against the run. It's just, I don't know. That guy just, just messed with the wrong guy. I think he jinxed his own team when he talked about wishing my mom had miscarried. Um, you know, I hope he enjoyed his 1.2 yards per rush against Mississippi. Congratulations on that guy. Uh, we talked about Georgia Tech. You know their DC was demoted, which you let out of the, out of the whole sequencing of events. Um, that was their new defensive coordinator's first game in that role against Miami, and he completely owned them. Um, this is interesting. Last week I said Western Michigan. I said I have them as the third best uh, MAC offense. They actually were really um, feisty against Mississippi State. They had. Five expected points um, that's based on, you know, inputs, just how effective they are, not outputs, actual points. But they actually, it was legitimate. They actually outscored them 
by seven and regulation, but they have five more ex expected points in Arizona against the common opponent in Mississippi State uh, at Mississippi State. They're for real. They're going to be a tough uh, a tough team in the MAC, which is really a, a surprising considering how horrible their conference or their QB play was last uh, season. And Washington State made it a nice clean two and ten for Pac-12 teams against the spread in their uh, first conference road games. Um, you know, I said, just don't bet the trend blindly. But man, if you did, you, you did really, really well just taking the Pac-12 teams against the spread, um, you know, betting against them in their first road game. Uh, new stuff. Dante Moore, you know, 2% uh, intercept, interception rate against some pretty crappy teams in non-conference. 3.8 is pretty high. Now he's played, um, you know, good defenses in Utah and Washington State. But... Uh, yeah, that's concerningly high. Now he's a true freshman, and we can forgive it, but that that might be their limiting factor this year. <clears throat> you know, there's surprisingly some decent um, defenses in the Pac-12 this season. Uh, we you mentioned about just the embarrassment that UCF is, and you know that that meltdown against Baylor is just aging worse and worse by the day with that horrible effort that they had against Kansas. Uh, you touched on this a little bit, so I just kind of put a little trend here. So. The teams that Wake Forest has played, this is how their opponents have done um, in Apex for the game. Vandy 91, Old Dominion 117, Georgia Tech 107, and Clemson of 43. That is a concern. And that Clemson game was at Clemson too. Um, and that is by far, you know, allegedly the most talented team. And let's not forget, Dabo is a former wide receiver coach. Um, I, I'm, I don't know. Now he's got, you know, he's, He's got a very talented roster, but man, I think they're having this season the thought that I was I was imagining they would have last season. I actually I actually had them under I think ten or ten and a half. Um, under yeah, under I think it was under ten and a half last season. So, man, that just that's just striking though, just how much worse they were against Wake Forest. Wake Forest is is not a good not a good defense. Um, overlooked in Cal's loss to Oregon State is they ran for over seven per rush against Oregon State. That's concerning. If I'm Oregon State, it's not like, and they had like three guys each go for over seven per rush too. It wasn't just like one guy ripped off a long one and skewed the stats. It was three guys that each did work on that. And, and, um, and that's actually, that's an interesting thing. Uh, Cal is, I now, Cam Rising is, I'm not sure if we touch on this later, but Cam Rising is back for Utah this week. They're, th Utah is 13 and a half point favorites against Cal. Mm -hmm. Cal has been yeah. very weird because, like, in the last, well, okay, they didn't cover the spread against Oregon State. Um, although the spread was like 10, and I think they lost by 12, so they came close to it. And they also came yeah. with like a score of covering against a Washington team that blew them out. But like, Cal scored a lot of points in garbage time against some of these teams. Like, their offense is not actually horrible, and they're the defense is horrible, but Utah's offense is not amazing either. Now, maybe with rising, it improves. I kind of think, no. I kind of think their offense was entirely Dalton Kikade, and now that he's a Buffalo Bill, which that's actually pretty – I like that part of this story. But the fact is that, like, I think uh, I think they might be in a little bit of trouble here. So I'm kind of liking Cal this week. We'll see. Uh, stay tuned to week two, uh, part two. I'll just say yeah. that. Um, this was interesting. Rutgers passed for more um, per pass attempt than Wisconsin did in the same game. That was interesting. Um, I think that really yeah. speaks to the Rutgers defense. That's that's a nasty defense, man. They're good. I wish that the Rut they had like half yeah. of their defense. 
the Rutgers defense is really good. I will say though that I, I think the whole thing they had said when when uh, uh, when uh, Luke Fickle said he was taking over Wisconsin. I thought the whole point was that it was like, oh, we're gonna bring the air raid to Wisconsin. Well, I think that's been uh, it's only like this is a air raid 1.0. This isn't full air raid, guys. Like we're still <laughs> running for 200 some odd yards a game here. And Tanner Mordecai, like I think week one, I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. Tanner Mordecai over one and a half passing touchdowns. Let's go. And then immediately I was like, okay, that's not happening ever. He is never throwing for more than one and a half passing touchdowns. That I'm never betting this again. And I've made money, like I just keep making money on like Braylon Allen overs. And like sometimes you can bet Braylon Allen over two TDs, and that's usually like you get out of like plus two hundred. That's pretty good sometimes too. So yeah, I, I this Wisconsin team is good, but they just have decided that they're not going to throw the ball, which is kind of sad because we really like Tanner Mordecai coming this year. We thought he could have a big year, but yeah. I guess they're still kind of set in there. We're going to ground and pound a bit, at least for this year, maybe a bit less next year, but. Well, I, I think they're they're kind of struggling with the other side of that North Carolina dynamic, which is how do we have this Longo guy as our coordinator, but how do we not cru- crush our defense? You know, their defense is actually pretty highly rated at, at 5.6. Um, not quite elite, but very, very good. And I, I'm sure that Fickle didn't want to sacrifice what, you know, Mac Brown sacrificed by letting Longo just kind of go crazy. And I think what they've sacrificed is getting the full Longo experience, to your point. It's, it's a lot as somebody says, it's a lot more of a pickleball offense where it's <laughs> it's all close to the line of scrimmage. Um, New Mexico State beats FIU by 14. Um, you know, I'm very high on Jenkins, the quarterback for FIU. I think what happened, I, I also like New Mexico State. I want to point out that FIU opened the season on the road against Louisiana Tech. Boy, sorry. Um, that was the famous Grayson James uh, exit game. <laughs> Um, so this was the, the first road conference game for Jenkins as an FIU starting quarterback. So I think there was a little bit of that. They should have been more competitive than losing by two touchdowns to New Mexico State. Um, this stuck out at me. Jacksonville State beat, beat middle by 15 points, and Jacksonville State had only a 26% per game, a percent post-game win expectancy. They got away with one there. And that might kind of be manifesting itself. I don't know if you have a latest score, but um, middle was uh, kind yes, of giving I, it to – uh, that is on my second screen here, and Liberty has just kicked the point after to get a thirty-one to thirteen. So yes, that wow. is live okay. confirmation of your of your point right there. <laughs> okay, um, Toledo at UMass. I was one of those. Um, me and the Sickles account were probably uniquely focused on this because I actually had a over and I had to, uh, Mass plus twenty, which covered by I think one point. The Moon God is back. Uh, he had an apex of 125 for this game. He has an apex of 125 for the season against a group of five uh, opponents. I'm not going to punish him too much for, you know, playing hurt against Auburn. I'm going to give him a, 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 a do-over on that. And look at how badly he played, outplayed uh, Daquan Finn, who everybody says is the best quarterback in the Mount, or in the MAC, except for us two. Um, he's not that good, guys. He's a great runner. He's not a good passer of the of, of the football, and he got completely outplayed by um, by the Moon Gun Tyson Pomachan. Second to last point, um, I'm gonna let's see if you can crap on this like you did on my um, Hey Guess Who's Sneaky Good Virginia point two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> UAB is sneaky good, um, and I I bet under on their season win total, and I. We all goofed on them in the American preview because it doesn't make sense. Their offensive coordinator has never been more than a wide receiver coach, like at the FCS level. 
The defensive coordinator was a defensive coordinator at high school. Um, they're sneaky good. They put it to South Florida. Um, both our models had South Florida. I overrode the model because um, I don't – how do I say this? My model doesn't account for the non-Byron Brown games. It just thinks that Byron Brown had bad games and good games. Or how do I say this? He had bad games and good games. He had They didn't account for the improvement he had after the first two rough games, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's you too. So I just, you know, I, I, I just overruled it and I said, yeah, um, I think South Florida is going to be better than my model says, but man, UAB just, they put it to South Florida. South Florida has got some problems on defense, but UAB is sneaky. Good. They, I, I, I'm not going to be shocked if they actually make the, uh, the title game. That's a wide open conference. It's basically, I can't even call it conference USA plus anymore. I think conference USA is better and more compelling, and more fun to watch. Um, and lastly, uh, to wrap up part one today, the top-rated freshman quarterback in terms of Apex is this kid, Zeon Chris, for Louisiana. Um, I was pretty bearish coming into the season on Louisiana, and here's another one I just missed. And there's a lot of these quarterbacks coming out from nowhere that are just shoving it in my face. And here's another guy. 116 Apex as a true freshman is really, really good. Um, that's the side of, uh, of the conference that has Troy and South Alabama. So he's going to have a couple of tough games coming up soon, but that's impressive for a program that really stunk last season and looked hopeless in the first season away from Billy Napier. So reason to be optimistic, um, in Lafayette, I don't know what else there's to do in Lafayette besides root for your football team and, and eat probably awesome food. Um, and that's it for part one. Anything else from you? Nope, I think that's good. Let's uh, let's go to part two and let's talk about uh, stats and rankings and our plays this week. Sounds good. See you all then.